Greetings, and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this show explores the intersection of security, technology, and society, and thinks about what might be coming next. Every Monday, there's a news and analysis episode that condenses 5 to 20 hours of reading and analysis into a 15-minute summary, as well as regular essays, interviews, and book reviews that cover specific topics. The goal is to give you a concise, curated update on the most interesting things happening in the world, and to explore ideas that give you something to think about and prepare you for what's coming next. All right, welcome to episode 268. Starting off with security news. Someone released 100 times the correct amount of lye, also known as sodium hydroxide, into a Florida city's water supply. The SCADA system used to make the change was running on a Windows 7 computer with no firewall that was being accessed throughout the plant using TeamViewer using a shared password. Chris Krebs says this is most likely a disgruntled employee and not a hacker. Not sure how he knows that, but seems likely he knows something we don't. ESET says there were 768% more RDP attacks in 2020 than in 2019 as a result of work from home. RiskSense researchers found 223 vulnerabilities being used by ransomware attacks in 2020, which is four times as many as were seen in 2019. Microsoft is going to start telling people they've been targeted by a state actor via the Defender for Office 365 dashboard. So they were already telling select customers about this manually, but now it'll be right in the interface so people can react faster. A number of cops in L.A. are using copyright law as a weapon against being publicly filmed because YouTube and other services frequently take down videos that have known and protected music in them. They're basically blasting famous music when they see someone is pointing a camera at them. This is both fascinating and disturbing. I would say fascinating because it's using one law against another and disturbing because people in public service should not be looking for creative ways to evade being recorded. TikTok has become a battleground for Russian politics. It's being used by protesters to get out their message and the pro-government propaganda people are also paying influencers to make content that counters the protester message. And this is really centered around the Navalny stuff. And there's been a major surge in catalytic converter thefts in the United States because they contain precious metals. In St. Louis, there were 50 in 2019 and 420 in 2020. So this is where someone just goes under your car and cuts this thing out of the car, basically. It's like right in between the engine and the exhaust, and it uses a whole bunch of precious metals to filter these toxins before it goes to the exhaust and gets released into the air. Because it has these precious metals in there, it's actually worth something. So people are just going under the car. Uh, There's a whole bunch of these in San Jose, and Article's got another one in uh, LA. So it's, it's happening all over the place, but yeah, Wichita, Kansas had 191 cases in 2019, and that jumped to 547, and they've had 102 just in January. Vulnerabilities. 
PanOS has a number of issues, including OS execution, DOS, and cross-site scripting. Incidents, the source code for Cyberpunk 2077 and The Witcher 3, appear to have been stolen and then sold on a dark web auction site. So no one knows exactly who bought it uh, or for how much, but evidently it's millions of dollars, which is strange given how unpopular Cyberpunk 2077 has been. Companies. Sentinel One has acquired speed logging startup Scalar for $155 million. Technology news. Another group of researchers has made progress using wireless signals and AI to determine someone's emotions. They have attuned to identify anger, sadness, joy, and pleasure. They're saying the tech can be used by managers to understand the emotional state of workers. Indeed. Now we just need an AI that can monitor large collections of workers and automatically adjust stimuli to improve their mood, like releasing nice smells into the air or playing soothing music in the background. Does that sound too intrusive? Don't worry, it's not. It was part of your employment agreement. So just review that and you realize that if you object to any of this, we'll have to let you go. This is wonderful and spooky stuff. And uh, yeah, this will not be the end of it. This is just getting started. The U.S. Army has created a quantum-based sensor that can detect RF frequencies all the way up to 20 gigahertz. The system uses lasers and a small glass cell of atoms. And although they say it's not ready for the field yet, they're looking at possible uses for communications and, yeah, obviously, electronic warfare in the future. Researchers at the University of South Wales were able to identify individuals using AI by taking images of the backs of their hands and basically mapping like their veins and the vein structure, which totally makes sense. Seems quite unique. And they say this works even with just crappy cameras that are just on most uh, devices. Yet another way to de-anonymize people or to possibly authenticate to a system. Tesla bought $1.5 billion in Bitcoin, which appears to be about 5% of its total cash as of the end of 2020. Seems pretty smart when your investment can also signal that it's a good investment, which raises the value of the investment. AI can tell you what song you're listening to by observing your brainwaves. For now, this requires some pretty strict environmental conditions like headgear and stuff like that, fairly quiet room. But I think we can all see where this is heading. Innovation. Scribe.ai is a company looking to eventually capture everything in your life so you never forget anything. They call it total recall. That's what they're kind of going for. They're starting with meetings via integration with Zoom that takes everything that happens and turns it into like an intuitively searchable database. I think it's really cool. This implementation seems really cool. They're starting kind of small with a small scope. But I even think the main idea is cool. I often wish that I could record 
what I was doing or responses to what I was doing, especially if you're like researching something and you're just finding a bunch of notes and just having that searchable would be fantastic. So I think this is a really cool idea. As a security person, I worry about a million things going wrong with it, but whatever. That's just me. That's just all of us. A lot of us listening to this podcast think that way. Companies. Cloudflare revenue increased 50% year over year. Human news. Carjackings have skyrocketed in 2020, and gig workers are often the targets of these attacks. A number of them, reading through these articles, involve the person stepping out to deliver the package or deliver the food or whatever, and they actually had to go out with their kids because they have no you know, care for those kids uh, that they could pay for and leave at home or somewhere else. So they have to take their kids with them. And a number of times there have been like two kids in the back and the car, someone just runs and jumps into the car and takes off. Now, luckily, it seems like for every example that we've heard, the car was just found somewhere else and uh, they got the kids back fine and there was no problem there. But how would that feel? Like you're out here, you know, busting your ass, trying to work, trying to make some money for your family. Part of your family's in the back of the car and you come back from delivering your package and the car's not there and neither are your kids. Totally insane stuff. Astronomers are getting really excited about what looks like a potentially Earth-like planet orbiting the nearest star to us, which is Alpha Centauri. And actually, it's a multi-star system, so there's like a, I don't know if it's Beta Centauri. Anyway, there's a smaller star outside, but they're looking at Alpha Centauri. And they're not sure if it's a real planet yet, but it would be super exciting if it were. Because it would be major news, especially for like the Drake equation, where it's like we're trying to figure out how many planets are there that are like ours. You know, could they possibly sustain life? So if we were to look at the closest star, it's only 4.5 light years away. It doesn't look very bright, by the way, because it's a small or average star. Uh, Sirius is the brightest looking star, which is like five light years away, I think. but even it is not super considerable. Anyway, don't know why I started to talk about that. Um, this is exciting because if the closest star to us actually has an Earth-like planet, that would indicate just statistically that it wouldn't seem to be that uncommon for there to be Earth-like planets around stars if the only two stars that we know of or If we find two stars, one of which we know, and the one right next to it, both have them, then that would seem to raise the odds. But it would still keep the question raised of why we haven't heard from anyone. So I don't think it would fundamentally change the Drake equation, but it would definitely start a lot of conversations. The U.S. has the world's highest rate of children living in single-parent households. The number is 23%. 23% of U.S. children live in single-parent households. 
And the University of Copenhagen has developed an AI that they say can predict who will die of COVID with an accuracy of around 90%. They said BMI, age, being male, and having high blood pressure are all indicators of high risk. And the second set of high-risk things were people with COPD, asthma, diabetes, and heart disease, which is interesting. I would have thought that would have been averted. But yeah, they said BMI, age, and being male or having high blood pressure were worse, which is bad because uh kind of have all those. Not super old, but BMI is way too high. Ideas, content, and analysis. A FUF primer. My new primer on the FUF web testing tool. This is a super cool tool. If you do any web testing or any offensive security testing at all, you should absolutely get to know this tool, but especially if you're into web testing. And I did a quick primer on it. I was actually Googling in the middle of it and figured out uh, a friend of mine, uh, Codingo, uh, Michael Skelton, actually, uh, he already had one out there, but I, I didn't know that until I was like three quarters of the way done. So I just finished it up. I think his is longer and more detailed, uh, but I think mine is pretty hard hitting to the point. I think uh, they go well together. So. Definitely check them both out. My journey to beginner audiophile. So I spent the pandemic basically learning about audio, both for playback and soon for music creation as well. And I uh, wrote a post about it. It's uh, basically a summary of everything I've learned in the last year, getting to uh, whatever this beginner audiophile status that I'm currently enjoying. And uh, yeah, I, I set out to just write a few bullets on this. And it ended up probably 4,000 words or something. It's quite uh, quite significant. So check that out if you're into audio, speakers, podcasting, microphones, DACs, amps, hi-fi of any sort. You might want to check it out. And I got an idea here, the AI-powered workplace. So riffing off of the AI emotion detection story in the tech news section, I want you to think about all the different ways AI-powered companies will soon be offering to help in the workplace. Workplace is an optimization problem, which is familiar to AI types. So we're optimizing for productivity, ultimately, but happiness is also a secondary goal. And your company has to do a lot of things as part of business, right? So you have to send out lots of internal emails. You have to manage your internal Slack channels. You have to have one-on-one -on -one meetings. You have to send out company-wide emails that talk about changes and difference in direction or strategy. And as you can see, AI will soon help with all of that. It'll basically say, let me help you write that email. Let me help you figure out what the best time to start work is. When's the best time to go to lunch? Uh, let me tell you the best times that there are to interact with this customer or that customer to retain them. Maybe there are certain times you should not reach out to them and interact with them in any way. 
And there's certain times that you really should. And maybe this is the type of thing that AI will figure out a lot better than humans will. Same with interacting with your employees. Maybe a certain interaction strategy will optimize for retention of employees. And let me help you build an incentives package that's customized for your company and maybe even customized for your employee. All of these will start as standalone companies, but they will eventually unify into companies like SuccessFactors that offer all of it as a holistic workforce management platform. And the pitch will be something like, we'll tell you why your employees aren't happy, why they're not productive, what you can do to fix it. But not as a one-time exercise, we'll do it continuously, in real time, as a service. And on average, we see it, whatever, a 37% increase in productivity, happiness, and retention as a result. That is a strong pitch. Of course, there will be a lot of snake oil at first, and many companies will use this type of software to produce like an Umbridgean hellscape. She was the teacher from Harry Potter that still frightens me greatly. But the potential for positive will exist as well. AI, I think, is the ultimate example of the double-edged sword dynamic in tech. It's uh, nothing but wonderful stuff combined with potentially horrific stuff. And this is a great example. <laughs> I mean, far down the line, this could be like an AI-managed workforce where you've got just a bunch of AIs looking at a whole bunch of telemetry coming off of people and eventually not even people. but they're just watching telemetry and they're making adjustments to handle mood and productivity and happiness. Someone's turn. Oh, they crossed over into the disgruntled zone. Let's remove those permissions or whatever. And this isn't really like super far off fantasy or science fiction. I mean, there are already companies out there actively looking to do this and there are already security companies out there actively trying to take as much telemetry as they can to look for insider threats. So this is all part of the same narrative. It's just coming in small pieces, which will be assembled into, you know, a whole that, yeah, ends up being an offering from Salesforce or SuccessFactors or SAP or whatever. All right, next idea here. What do Palantir and Databricks have in common? I think a major trend for successful tech companies is and will continue to be bringing difficult tech to organizations who need it. Spark is cool tech, but most companies don't have the resources internally to manage it or to harness it. And that's what Databricks does. And they also just raised a billion dollars in funding for doing that. They're doing extremely well. And again, all they're doing is making Spark accessible and usable for a large number of companies who couldn't do it before. Finding patterns in and making predictions from data using AI is cool tech as well. But just like with Spark, most companies struggle with being able to do that in-house. So once again, in this case, enter Palantir. This is the trend that will continue. And the fun questions are, what are the technologies like Spark or AI? that are really, really powerful, but that most people can't access. They don't have the internal staff for it. Their company isn't big enough for it. 
They can't hire the expert. They wouldn't even know how to hire the expert. Where is that opening? Right. And the second question, what company can I start? Can you start? Can someone start to close that gap and make that technology accessible to more people? You combine those two questions together, and that's a path, I think, towards a lot of innovation and a lot of money making, a lot of investment, a lot of successful companies. Notes. Slightly shorter episode this week due to Valentine's Day. Read my first Carmack McCarthy novel like a week ago called The Road, and it was quite a powerful experience. It's very short, just really visceral. Just, uh, it was a ride. It was really good. Highly recommended that you uh, get into some of his stuff. What you might have heard of is No Country for Old Men. I didn't know that was Carmack uh, McCarthy. But yeah, that was him as well. I've never read the book. I saw the movie. thought it was fantastic. Mostly because of the bad guy, the actor. The scene in the gas station was unbelievable to me. But this was nowhere near as complex. It was very simple. It was basically two people for the entire thing. won't say anything about the plot, but yeah, really simple story and just just really interesting. I just quite enjoyed it. And I just finished American Compromat, which is basically, uh, I won't even say anything about that. You can look it up if you want. Uh, jury's still out in my mind about that one. And I'm currently reading The Second Mountain by David Brooks, which I've loved everything he's written so far. And uh, I just think his stuff is really good. I love his balance. He, he does write a lot about politics, but it's from kind of a humanistic, interestingly, like a conservative humanistic standpoint. So no matter what he's writing about, you can feel that he's trying to solve the problem. And he's trying to reach out to people who disagree with him from left to right, because I, I would put him somewhere in the center, like center right or something. But he's definitely not super right, and he's definitely not super left. I just, I find his whole perspective really refreshing and positive. So, reading another book by him. And reminder, the UL book of the month for February is Life 3.0 by Max Tegmark. And had a few comments already in the Slack channel for our community, and people are loving it. So uh, it kicks off with this amazing story, which you you absolutely have to read. It's a little piece of fiction right in the beginning of the book, which is nonfiction. But uh, yeah, it's fantastic. So definitely check that out if you can. Discovery, Malwarebytes which is the main tool I've used for malware protection on Windows and Mac for close to a decade. Rune Music Management, which they finally did their 1.8 release, I think on Tuesday or Wednesday. And if you're into music and haven't heard of Rune, you definitely want to check it out. It's like complete music management, super high quality, streaming to different devices in the house. It's just really, really cool stuff. for audio files, or, or really not even audio files. 
Uptime with two P's, UPP time. An open source uptime monitor and status page powered entirely by GitHub actions and issues. Base64.ai extract text, photos, and signatures from all document types. Got an article here that's an argument for migrating from medium to substack, which I think brings up some good points. Unfortunately, I think it's a step away from migrating away from substack as well to an independent stack. More like I'm running or Sam is running or Ben Evans or Ben Thompson. Like, I think that's the way to go. It is still a hybrid between complete autonomy, but think it's more healthy than even Substack, and definitely more healthy than Medium. David Robinson, a principal data science at Heap, breaks out the different AI fields as, this is really interesting, data science provides insights, machine learning produces predictions, and artificial intelligence produces actions. Data science produces insights, machine learning produces predictions, and artificial intelligence produces actions. I think that's really crisp and clear. He does say that this is an oversimplification, which I knew that when reading it, but the fact that he calls it out means he knows that. And if you read the full article, it, it goes into quite a bit of detail here. I think he's making some really good points. I actually subscribe to his RSS because it seemed like quality content. Got a fascinating Wall Street Journal piece on how the wealthy can pay to have their online image manicured. They talk about a company who does this called Status Labs in Austin. And the Chappelle Show is back. Not sure what channel that is. That's CBS. I don't know. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> Channels, it's streaming, doesn't matter. Just get online and search and it'll pop up somehow. Web Scraping 101 with Python, and an extraordinary set of bash aliases for web hacking with Fuff and Nuclei by a member of our UL community, Res Zero. Definitely want to check this thing out. It's uh, He's got a whole bunch of bash functions, which make the process of basically uh, probing a site really, really easy. It uses uh, Unfurl, which is by Tom Nom Nom uses uh, Fuff, it uses Nuclei, and some other stuff. It's just really high-quality content, and uh, I subscribed to him as well. I didn't know he had a site, so got on to that. And the recommendation for the week, it is the start of the year. What does your backup story look like? Do you have local backups, like on a NAS, and then hopefully copies somewhere in the cloud? This is the type of stuff I think should replace New Year's resolutions. So basically checklists of things that should be done annually. And at the top of that list, I would definitely put backups. So yeah, backups, check them. And the aphorism for the week, you will never know if someone is an asshole until they become rich. You will never know if someone is an asshole until they become rich. Nassim Taleb.